0: I'm Austin Lugo. I'm Andrew Harp. This is With Nothing to Say.
1: Let's talk about our year in review.
0: Before we get into this week's conversation, as it were, next week we're going to be watching Mandabe. This is a film, Andrew, that you suggested. I know very little about this world of film. I think this is the first film in Africa that we've done. Have we done any African films?
1: I don't think we've done any specifically African films. No.
0: So this will be our first African film, something I'm very excited for. Have you seen any of his work before?
1: No, No, not yet. It's got that big collection on a criterion. So I'll probably try to watch at least like a few more.
0: Absolutely. Um, Yeah. It's the first film written in Okonawa. I don't don't know. know if I, It's written in a language. It's the first film to come Mm -hmm. out in some language, and I'm not sure which language it is. Yeah. But it's exciting. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I mean, it must be pretty good. They got a whole Mm -hmm. collection on there, so clearly there's a lot of love to be had for Mm -hmm. this filmmaker, so very excited. Something a little different for us. Traveling to a new part of the world will be very exciting, but yeah. This week, we're talking about our year in review, something we do at the end of every year. As we talked about last time we talked, instead of doing the best films that came out in 2023, we decided to talk about the films. For us, that was our first watch that we loved the best. And I know we also kind of talked about talking about some of the podcast episodes that we did. But as I was creating my list, I realized, one, there's not a single new film on the list, at least for my top five. Although there are some honorable mentions that I will shout out. And two, four of the five films that are on my top five of the year were films that we watched for the podcast, which is kind of crazy. I, Interesting. I watched 200 films this year. I think my letterbox is almost exactly at 200. And yet we watched what, 40, 30 to 40 films for the podcast. And four of the five are from that list. So yeah, I actually, I, good I, year for the podcast.
1: I, I kind of did something differently with my list where I kind of like did. I'm kind of like for my list that I put together, my top five list. I did basically like top five like filmmakers that were impactful okay. this year for me. But sure. I, ultimately, I'll probably like hone in on like one film in particular in each list and on each list item. Yeah. Um, and I would say two of. The um two of the list items contain films that we watched for the show.
0: Um, oh. yeah. So, <laughs> I guess we probably should talk about the source. How should we format this? Do you want to do like?
1: Yeah, well, like one of us should go first, go back and forth, and just like count down from five to one and go back and forth. Probably.
0: Okay. Should we start with honorable mentions then, before we get into our top five? Well, I guess, like, I'll,
1: I'll, I'll do honorable mentions, like, before we do. I want to do my honorable mentions before I talk about my first, my first, my number one list. Okay.
0: I so I should start with number five, then.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess, like, I guess, like, <laughs> well, I guess what I'll say real quick, just because it's not included in any of my list. I was yeah. just going to say that, like, my favorite movies of the year, 2023, just to kind of, like, quickly say them in no particular order are like may december oppenheimer and flowers of the killer moon you know i don't i'm not going to talk about them in depth just because like i've talked about them already everybody's talking about them they're not particularly obscure or unknown (laughs) films the
0: obscure film oppenheimer
1: yeah the obscure film oppenheimer one of the biggest Mm -hmm. movies of the year i those movies were very impactful for me this year and i'm just going to throw them out there but i'm not gonna i don't want to like talk about them in depth I I yeah. I don't really think it would be very productive, but I'm just throwing it out there.
0: <laughs> all right, and then since you threw them out there, I'll throw out there a couple, which actually will be in our after show today, because these are all movies that I've watched since well, I, I, we last actually, talked.
1: Actually, actually, I'm 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 busy, so I don't think I want to do an after show today. No That's after okay show you. today. That's no, okay. I'm sorry, but next week, next week we will. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> next time when we do after shows, yeah, We're yeah, missed after shows. That's okay. I know. <laughs> well we'll still talk about whenever we do our next after show along with a bunch of other stuff but i think it's kind of amazing that my favorite films of 2023 i've all seen within this last month which of course december is famously sort of the month of critically hopefully acclaimed films and sort of the best films of the year are often released during this month so i guess it's not too much of a coincidence of course i still want to see ferrari which i think will be on that list but haven't seen it yet hoping to see it in the next couple of weeks i'm seeing godzilla with brandon on tuesday i tried Mm -hmm. to get him to see ferrari but he really wanted to see the new godzilla so i think that'll still be a great watch yeah but two of the films that i did want to mention that i thought were just incredible watches and some of my favorite films of the year were dream scenario nicholas cage incredible film uh just fascinating and weird well, and yeah
1: you did the solo episode about that so if people and I want to hear your thoughts episode. on it so yeah can just yeah. go to that
0: <laughs> so if you want to hear my full conversation with myself on that one uh you you can hear that on our podcast youtube wherever you find us and the other one is poor thanks which i just saw in theaters four or five days ago i saw it with my mother-in-law it was just me and shelly mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> wow very interesting experience it's very sexual i don't know it's I don't want to talk about it a bunch, but all I really want to say about it is yeah. that even though there is a lot of sex in the movie, it's not sexy. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean like it never feels pornographic, weirdly, even though there's a ton of that. sex in this movie. It never feels pornographic. It all feels I'm like there's it. a very yeah. purposeful addition to mm. the film. And it's we're, we're, I think it's yeah. yeah.
1: No, continue. Sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> there you go.
0: I, I, th- I think it's Jorgis's best film. I think it's him peak filmmaking. I mean, it's just him al- allowed to just be as wild and crazy as he wants to be. uses a lot of different aspect ratios, a lot of different filmmaking techniques and camera techniques, some really great use of fisheye, and a lot of great stuff. But probably my yeah, favorite film in gun- 2023. Okay. Yeah, we're gunning to see it this
1: weekend for sure. You know, I, I I've seen, like, a lot of his movies, like pretty much most of them. um and i like them all but he's like a an example of a director whose movies i like but i wouldn't say that he's like one of my favorite directors or anything Mm. like that yeah so i'm very very skeptical of this movie going into it it's not like it's not that like he's like disappointed me multiple times and so like (laughs) i'm watching this movie i'm about to go see you know like i said we're gonna try to see it this weekend hopefully and it's not like he's like disappointing me to where I'm like, oh, you know, I keep getting burned by him. So this movie, I'm skeptical about. I don't know. I just, yeah. I think like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'll leave it at that. But yeah, I'm glad you
0: liked it. <laughs> I think you'll like it. I mean, we'll see. Having watched the movie, I think you're gonna really enjoy the film. And yeah. it is particular, you know. There's definitely a particular taste to this film, more so than I think his other work. And maybe, maybe it's too much, but I very much enjoyed the film. So, okay. But let's jump into it. Top five yeah, films. Yeah, let's just go. Getting in number sort five. Of. You go first.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We're 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 hitting off on a good. Um, we're really setting the tone for the episode because. Uh, so like I pay for like the Letterbox, for Letterbox. Like I pay for like the low tier the premium. So means you, oh, yeah, okay. like, and and what you get, you get when you pay for it. What they do is that they take your diary information your letterbox logs and all that shit. And they put it together like kind of kind of like in a statistical thing for you, just to let you know like how many hours of movies you watched or yeah. what was your highest rated or most watched or whatever. And so coming in at number five that I want to talk about is my most watched director of this year, the most films that I watched by a single uh-huh. director uh was fourteen films uh with uh, Woody Allen. uh i watched 14 of uh woody allen's movies this year um and uh you know uh i think if i had to pick one that i really really loved that i think was maybe the best one that i've seen so far and you know 14 is like a small percentage of his movies
0: he's made so many um, movies
1: i would say hannah and her sisters might be the best one i think that was the last one that i watched too I really like Hannah and her sisters because I think it's a good balance of everything that Woody Allen has done. It did at that point, comedy, yeah. drama, like familial drama. Um, he's in the movie, but he's not in it the whole time. He's not like mm-hmm. the main character, I would say, but he has a really good, um, his story is really funny and he's really good in it. And I don't know. That's just, I, I find that movie has like a really good balance. Um, but yeah, you know, I watch like 14 of his movies <laughs> and uh, you know, some are better than others. His slapstick stuff is a little well. His like early movies are a little annoying. Um, they're okay. They're pretty. They're funny. Um, and yeah, you know, I just I just appreciate the his uh uh his uh his perspective for the most part. Um, you know, and he just has like a really weird, interesting career. Um, and you know, I I, I don't know if I would. I don't know, it's kind of hard to say if I would say whether or not he's one of my favorite filmmakers. um, Because I definitely, when I watch his movies, I'm very discerning. <laughs> um, But I don't know when you're in it, like you're in it, you know, like in Hannah and her sisters, you're just like, yeah, I'm in like New York City, like in the 80s, you know, and I'm hanging out yeah. with his family. And they're ha- and they're doing all this stuff, you know what I mean? You kind of like, I kind of can't help but like live vicariously through the movies um and yeah you know I just uh I can't help it you know it's just uh you know that's number five Woody Allen
0: <laughs> wow I remember when you're on that Woody Allen train for like three weeks in a row in the after show we talked about Woody Allen so I would say in, in some ways I'm surprised but in, in other ways I'm not just because his films are so accessible they're so easy to find and so I'm sure that also played a role into it. And he just has so many films. I mean, what, how many films does this yeah, guy? He has, he has like a lot of different kinds of movies, I would films. say,
1: too. They all kind of like do different things. They all kind of, you know, and, 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 you know, he, you know, he just has all kinds of different movies from different time periods. Sometimes he's in his movies, sometimes he's not. Sometimes his movies are more serious than others. Um, again, I like Hannah and her sisters because I just like how that, how balanced that one is. Yeah. Um, yeah
0: yeah and his films can be very digestible i think they're overall not always but they're always really short easy watch they're short easy watches they're all around like 90 minutes so it never feels like you're kind of gutted the way that Mm -hmm. when you watch some films you're like jesus i just need a break so his films even like his darker more dramatic ones they feel sort of almost like an appetizer as it were it never feels too filling and that's not sort of any diss on Woody Allen films. I, of course, love some Woody Allen films. One of Woody Allen's films, of course, is Talk for the Podcast way back when a very early podcast was Stardust Memories, which I think is still my favorite of his films, but still. (laughs) All right. So coming in at my number five is a film, is the very first film I watched when we had the very short-lived movie theater. (laughs) Way back in January, uh, one of the first films we watched this year, a film we watched for the podcast. I'd never seen any of this man's work before. The first Indian film we watched for the podcast, oh yeah, uh, known as the Orson Welles of India, arguably one of not only the greatest films I saw this year, but probably will live down and for me as one of my favorite films of all time. It's probably going to go on the top 100 list, at least for me. And that is Piazza. Just... An absolutely beautiful, gorgeous, amazing film. I love the songs. The songs still get stuck in my head, even though I haven't seen this movie in almost 12 months. The cinematography in black and white just looks absolutely gorgeous. The story still haunts me to this day. I think about those performances all of the time. And I think that's really what separates this movie from so many movies I watched this year. I mean, between the two of us, we probably watch over 500 films a year. We watch a lot Maybe, of yeah. movies, <laughs> right? I mean, how many movies did you end up watching this year? Uh,
1: 300.
0: 300. And I watched just about 200, so almost exactly at 500. So we're two people that watch mm-hmm. a lot of movies. And so for a movie, particularly a movie I saw almost a year ago, to still be so prevalent in my memory, I mean, I can still sit here and think about very specific moments, like that moment where he's standing through the gates and he's trying to get his friend to get him out. Mm-hmm. Moments like that, like they still stick in my memory, just speak to how wonderful this film is. I mean, there's so many films I saw this year that I really enjoyed the experience while I watched them. But if you asked me a single thing about the movie, or even if you told me that I watched the movie this year, I may be a little surprised because there's just so many movies, right? That we consume in a year. Mm-hmm. And so for this one to stick with me as it did and still does, I think we'll continue to. And I made a promise after I watched the film that I'd go watch more of his stuff. And I, I still haven't uh, fulfilled that promise yet, but it's someone's work that. Yeah. That's part of it. It's very intimidating. He makes like three plus hour films and, and just like Piazza, like those are, that was a really intense experience. Right? we talk about the Woody Allen's being like an appetizer of this very like, yeah, it's like just easy experience. Mm-hmm. films like piazza like that takes everything out of you like you watch that movie and you're like Ugh, like i'm just you to like, experience phone.
1: you gotta you like <laughs> you really gotta like think you gotta be it. there you really gotta you be gotta present be there. for those
0: kind of uh-huh. not that they're not enjoyable and i think that's the other thing about it is even though this is a you know three plus hour film which i believe looking at <laughs> my list there's only one one other film that's that long most of the films on my list are short films because i'm a big shorter films because i'm a big fan of 90-ish minutes film, but this may be the long selling list except for one other but even though it's as long as it is it feels very quick it moves very fast so and and yeah. piazza i'm gonna be honest it was on the fence like there was one other film american friend which was like almost at number five it was like right there uh-huh. between american friend and piazza but i, I just think piazza is just at Man the end of the day like awesome. it's, it's a lot more gut-wrenching the way than american friend is so Number 5 is Piazza.
1: Okay. Yeah, I love that movie too. That was a great movie. I definitely need to uh watch more of those as well. Yeah. Um Yeah, number 4. Number 4 is the second director um whose movies I watched the most this year. <laughs> Um earlier this year. And I'm disappointed with myself that I didn't stick with watching the other movies in the collection that they put on Criterion. Yeah. Um, but perhaps I'll get a background to it. Um, you know, that was the films of um Al Hartley. Oh, um okay. who I just was really kind of um I think if I had to pick one movie Fuck. I guess I would have to pick trust. I think I'm gonna have to go with a movie Trust. I really like Trust. It's a beautiful film. Um that early Hal Hartley kind of style and story is really wonderful. You know, I really like Adrian Shelley. Really like Martin Donovan. They're really, really good in the movie together. It it's funny. Hal Hartley directing style is definitely a a unique one that I really appreciate, and I appreciate the fact that like his movies are basically they're like independent films with like a capital I. He retains the ownership of all of his movies, um, and they have like a style, a style and a a mindset that is incredibly independent, and um, and some people might watch like a Hal Hartley movie. And feel that they are like they're bullshit, or that they are pretentious, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But you know, for me, you know, I don't necessarily want to watch every single movie. Every anytime I watch a movie, I don't necessarily want people to talk like regular people. Every single movie that I watch, right? I would like mm-hmm. some. Uh, I would like movies to experiment with the idea of like conversations and talking and dialogue and shit like that. Yeah. And I think Hal Hartley definitely does that. And I think he's a good writer. And I think he's a great director. And his movies are impactful. They're beautiful. They, um, and I'm really glad that they put them on Criterion because they're not necessarily, like, common films. Um, and yeah, you know, I just, uh, that's really all I have to say about it. You know, I just think that, you know, they, they just go so hard, you know. They're just so, um, um. And again, you know, I really need to watch his other ones. Um, yeah, he's uh, I love him. He's lovely.
0: Yeah, I, I know he's someone we've talked a bit on the after show about before. Someone whose work I haven't seen any of. Yep, according to Lightbox, I haven't seen any of his films. I know we we talked about Trust. I don't, we may have talked about a couple of other of his films, but well, I
1: watched I watched ten of his films this year. That's wild. That, that that includes short films though too. I watched his short. Oh, okay. Shorts. It's not they're not all features.
0: Okay. Actually, this guy... I
1: I lied. It's he's the third most watched guy that I've watched this year. Um, Who's number yeah. two? Well, I'll talk about him later.
0: Oh, okay. He's on the list. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If I got the Letterbox, Premium now, would it give me my stats for this last year?
1: Yeah, it'll tell you the stats sure. of, like, every year and okay. also do, like, an all-time one, too.
0: Is it worth it? Yeah.
1: And it's, like, 10 or $20 a year. But you, you also oh, really? don't get ads on the phone, on the app. Like, ads aren't on the app. Oh, um, nice. I'm trying to think what else it has. Um, I don't know. I it use had... the app every Maybe. single... I don't usually like pay for like apps or anything like that or like yeah. subscriptions for websites or anything like that. I really don't care about it. But Letterboxd, that's an app that I use every single day, and so I thought it was worth it for me.
0: I guess it's only 20 bucks a year. I think I might get it, at least so I can see my okay. stats. I'm going yeah, to do nice. it. Okay. Well, I don't have anything to say about how hard like cause I haven't seen any of his films, but we've talked that's about fine. them before. So you, you go. Still uh, someone that's on the list. <laughs> go next. So on number four is a film we watched pretty recently. And I was worried that recency bias would play a bit of a role in this. And I think it's always going to. There's not really a way around it. But I, I don't know. I, I think it's very deserving of where it is. And, and looking at my list sometimes I wonder, you know, if I hadn't seen the films that I saw this year in another year, right, in another universe, I think this would have been number one on my list. But this was a year that I saw so many amazing films. I mean, I, I think of like my last couple of years, like I go on the box and look at one of my top five or top 10 were for other years. And this year was just like a year of seeing some of my favorite films of all time. So it's been a really great year for me for cinema. I just got really lucky, probably the best year of cinema for me since probably 2017 2018 when i really first got into movies so really great year but at number four for me is still walking which was just yeah. absolutely amazing i mean truly a modern ozu in a lot of different ways just in the way mm-hmm. that he makes films and the conversations that they have and this way of everything happening at once but nothing happening at all the way of, of telling stories through dialogue and actions And the way we're always talking around things, which is something I always encourage my students to do as uh, creative writers, is one of the things that they really struggle with is whenever they write a line of dialogue, whenever they have people talking in either a film that they write or a short story or a novel or whatever it is that they're working on, is they always want their characters to say exactly what they want. And (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, right, it's all about what do characters want, what do characters not want, and needs and desires and all of that. But the challenging thing about telling a great story is you have to say everything without saying anything at all. And I think of all the films on my list, I think this is the best written film on the list. I think its ability to talk about things without talking about anything the way that they're constantly in argument, constantly Mm -hmm. in confrontation with each other and just very beautiful. I mean, some incredible editing here, really holding on shots for a very long time and just allowing the entire scene to sort of move instead of this thing where we do the classic, you know, shot, reverse shot. That would be so easy to ruin a movie like this. I think in the hands of an inept director, this could be a very bad film. And so I think that also speaks to just how incredible our director is here, their ability to really be patient and sit with an entire scene, right? And and this is something that, you know, when I speak of Ozu S is something Ozu was famous for is he would instead of shooting a single person, he would often shoot the entire family all in one room. And you would just watch things develop. And instead of utilizing the camera for movement, you would utilize our characters. movement so as the characters sort of move around that's sort of the movement that we get that's sort of the action of the scene that creates the mise-en-scene which is sort of this reverse way of thinking about mise-en-scene stuff thinking about hey we put the camera here and then this happens it's thinking about okay let's worry less about the camera more about how our people move within it uh almost play-esque and yet simultaneously uh beautiful and and haunting and it really makes you think about, especially that scene where she's trying to catch the butterfly because she thinks it's, or the moth. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's a moth or a butterfly. I think it's a butterfly. Yeah, It's a bug. She, it's a yeah. bug of some kind, right? <laughs> just trying to catch because she thinks it's her lost son. And just all these ways that we as humans are affected by loss and the the trauma that comes with it and all these different ways that we try to deal with it and fail to deal with it in a lot of different ways. And, uh, just how we see death and thinking about this too because i was making this list while visiting both my parents and mm-hmm. emily's parents so you know this is the first time that we've seen both parents in a long time mm-hmm. and and while on this trip uh chuck actually just got a job here in reno so mm-hmm. him and chile wow. are actually moving out here to reno which is oh, very exciting yeah uh, we we just learned about it a couple of days ago so great I was thinking a lot about family, right? And sort of the ways that your parents kind of drive you absolutely insane, right? I mean, I love my mom to the ends of the earth, but like spending five minutes with her feels like an eternity sometimes. But it's also, you know, some of the best five minutes of my life. So it's it's kind of this back and forth that we have with our our family members that is completely unique. And I, I don't think it's really like any other relationship in the world because I don't know, like you always want to be around them but then like whenever you're around them you also want to like leave immediately because they drive you insane but it's that sort of insane that it's almost addictive in a certain way so thinking about parents and of course you know I'm lucky enough and you're lucky enough and Emily's lucky enough that none of our parents are are very old by any means you know my, my parents are only in their fifties I am mean, moms 51 and Jimmy's only 48 ish and Shelly's not 50 yet either and Chuck's only like 52 53 so they're still you know relatively young especially sort of in the modern age but you know sort of thinking about they're kind of on to the next stage of their life right they're, they're starting to think about retirement and what life will look like post having a job and you know thinking about getting them getting older and you know, the, the sort of reversal of care that's kind of getting closer, right? The, all our lives are, our parents have been taking care of us and obviously it hasn't happened yet, but you're starting to see like, oh, like in the next you know, 10 to 15 years, right? It's now going to be us taking care of them, making sure that, you know, they're okay and that sort of thing. And so sort of watching this, this circle of life happen in real time, especially when you only see your parents once every six months of course luckily we'll get to see chuck and shelly a lot more which i'm very excited about but i think the best way that i'm reminded about like the aging of my parents is my little sister right she's about to turn seven years old so like i only see her every six months and you know Mm -hmm. a six-year-old right they age a lot in six months like just the difference and it's it's challenging i think you know seeing her because Like, I don't get to see her very often. Mm -hmm. And even though, like, I talk to her on the phone every day. So, you know, I I see her, like, on FaceTime and stuff. But, like, uh, especially, like, when I was there for the first couple of years. And now, like, you only see her every six months. It's a very surreal experience because it's kind of, like, the meshing of, of reality versus, like, this, I don't know, esoteric phone style, like, in a different universe sort of thing I mean like you're talking to them but you're not like really there so it's really interesting and I I think that's part of the reason that's on the list is it's just a film that really makes me think about what it means to be a son what it means to be a father or a mother or a sibling and sort of how all those relationships you kind of are all of those things at once and then you're also none of those things and then the way we sort of create these facades when we're in front of our family right we we tell our family that we're living this life or that life and we we put on this mask of who we are, which is true wherever we go. Right, we're always putting on a mask of of who we are. In this case, with our with our parents, it's a very specific thing. So, I've been thinking a lot about that lately. But truly, like I said, in another universe, this would have been my favorite film of the year. But still, an incredible film. I mean, I think well deserving of its fourth position.
1: I agree. It's a great movie. <laughs> Good.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Um. Yeah, number three going into it. Second most viewed director this year at eleven <laughs> films. Uh although this direct, even though I've watched eleven of his films, mm-hmm. if you add up the amount of like hours compared to like Woody Allen I've probably like watched I've watched more right yeah. of his stuff like if you add up the amount of hours right um Letterboxd doesn't have that feature so I don't really know how many how much it, that is uh, and I actually just watched an, a, a a movie by him recently um quite recently which was also great um that was, of course the great um and this and this movie's probably on you this guy's probably on your list too uh, the great Frederick Wiseman
0: oh I, you know i got into his yep. movies is he on your list he is he's actually oh, okay. he's my number three too okay okay good okay good
1: all right That that's a good coincidence then since we can just kind of like talk about him at the same time then yep yeah i watched um you know we of course watched Monroe, v. indiana for the show which was great but i think if i had to pick like one movie by him to at least like kind of hone in on or like you know suggest people like watch first it would probably be ex libris his uh, mm-hmm. film on the New York Public Library—that was the first movie I watched by him—and um, I just love it. You know, I just, I just love, I love *Ex Libris*. It's so all-encompassing of the subject of the New York Public Library. It does it perfectly. It's perfectly edited. It has everything in it. <laughs> um, it's satisfying to watch. It can be frustrating. It can be beautiful. Um, I like when he. I like his uh more like New York centric movie. So I love Ex Libris. I also love um, uh, Central Park, which of course is his movie about Central Park. Yeah. He even, he made Central Park in nineteen eighty nine, um, so it's like 1987, 88, Central Park. So it's amazing. And then in Jackson Heights, his movie on Jackson Heights is also amazing that he did a few years ago. He did one called Hospital, which was in a hospital and I think New York City yeah um yeah i i uh I just and uh the most recent one I watched was the store, okay, which um is a movie that he made filming um the Neiman Marcus store in Dallas, Texas during around Christmas time uh, they put it on um Lee Cinema Very Club, cool. yeah. so I went ahead and watched it and yeah, it's like Eighty two, eighty one, like department store footage and uh it's so good and you know i just i just love it man like he's got a new one coming out soon um we're gonna see it at the speed next month so i'm really excited to see oh, that cool. four hours long you know um and, yeah, I just, about? I just, sorry um it yeah. it's about a restaurant um um called um um well it's about a family Called the Chauguat family, mm-hmm. and they have three restaurants, um, in central France, and they're like three-star Michelin restaurant, three Michelin-star oh, wow. restaurants in France. Okay. So it's like about, I'm guessing the you know day-to-day activities of these restaurants. Right. Sounds spectacular. Um, and yeah, I just, I just love, I just love his movies, man. Like they're just so much fun to watch. You know, they're really long, but they are unbelievably satisfying, and they say. So much, and he just kind of like lets the footage speak for itself about these things that I think are really important. And say, and and I just uh, I don't know, like I just I just like watch one and then I watch another, and I'm like, I gotta watch another, you know, I just they they um they're kind of like addicting in a way, um, and yeah, just uh, they're just they're just so much fun. Ugh.
0: Love Weissman, that. And of course, my number three is Monrovia, okay. Indiana, which partly because I haven't seen any of his other films as of yet, although I'm definitely going to go see that new one and going to try to watch more of his work. But also just because as a Hoosier born and raised, there is something very personal about this film and what it means to grow up in the Midwest and sort of in a well. not as a town as small as Monrovia, but certainly not, you know, a big city. So kind of being in that sort of middle ground between uh, and watching a a town grow or die, especially like my grandparents, they live in Clinton, Indiana, and that's certainly a town that is very much like Monrovia because it's it's a farming town that sort of had its rise in like the 60s and 70s and, you know, was sort of this booming place. And now it's sort of this place where like Mm. there's nothing there, right? No one lives there anymore. It's just full of old people because no one's moving there. And so it's like the town itself is dying. And it's a fascinating study of of what it means to sort of be a citizen of the United States and a community. And then also, too, I've recently been rereading some of David Foster Wallace's stuff because I don't reread a lot of books. And we don't really talk about books a lot in here, although, you know, between the two of us, we read a a ton of books (laughs) a year or two, along with all the movies that we watch. But I've noticed that the one author that I seem to be able to read over and over again is David Foster Wallace. And I'm currently reading uh, this collection of essays about tennis. It's called On Tennis, which is basically all the essays that he did about tennis. And he was uh, sort of a, a tennis sensation way back in, in the 1970s. Yeah, he was, good he at was it. like one of the top. Yeah, yeah he's very good. He's like 17th in like the Midwest. So... And Midwest is very competitive for tennis. So he was a very good tennis player. He was never like great, right? He was never pro or anything like that. But he's someone who had a a lifelong love for tennis. And I, I like to compare David Foster Wallace to Wiseman in the way that they capture sort of reality. Like, right, they both have this way of sort of seeing the world and sort of exposing it without... putting their own bias towards it. I mean, obviously, like, we all have our bias and Wiseman's looking at the world in this very specific way. But it's more of, like, I don't think there is any other filmmaker. And I think this is why Wiseman's one of the greatest documentarians of all time and arguably one of the greatest filmmakers of all time is there is no one who can capture a world better than Wiseman. Like, the way he is able to capture what Monrovia, Indiana is without any talking heads, right? Without any... Questions being like asked. Nothing. Nothing right? nothing, it, it, nothing going it's on. It's just it's just images and people talking like that's all yeah. it is, <laughs> just through editing alone. Which is I think how all documentaries should be made, although it's arguably almost impossible to make a documentary that way because it's it's just so goddamn challenging. It's not,
1: because like I, I like a Wiseman documentary if you play it for someone, <laughs> I mean it's just too slow for some people. And like oh yeah, the thing about Wiseman too is that like, you know, as you get into the twenty tens and digital photography becomes a thing uh he he doesn't he'll he'll just like film and he film and care. film you know because he because yeah. he, he doesn't have to worry about um the cost of film so he'll he'll put scenes in the movie of a guy talking especially there's a scene in jackson heights where a guy talks it's like a five it's like a 10 15 minute long scene of a guy <laughs> talking and that's it yeah. you know it's like and people like you know even with documentaries feature films whatever they don't want to they don't a, a people like I think some people just want to be able to stand that like it just is it's just too uh I think people like are just like well what's the point you know it's like well that's the point
0: yeah I, I definitely understand how that might not be everybody's cup of tea and I know if Emily well she watched part of it with me and she immediately fell asleep so I understand that this type of filmmaking isn't for everybody and I respect that but it is definitely my type of filmmaking it's the time of film- yeah, filmmaking honestly that i aspire to like as a filmmaker you know that's kind of like that's peak filmmaking to me like that's the kind of films i would love to make or films like that films that are sort of not documentaries in the traditional sense right it's not just people sitting around talking but it's storytelling through images and they're about real people in real lives and it's it's something that I try to recreate in the stories that I tell on the writing that we do and the stuff that we do. But, uh, I mean, can anyone do it like Wiseman? Of course not. And, but, oh my He's
1: God. ninety <laughs> something. He's That's 90 crazy. Something.
0: I hope this man never dies. Yeah. I hope he lives forever. That's going to be a sad <laughs> day. It's, my God. There's no one like him. Mm-hmm. Truly. All right. Number two. What do you got, Andrew?
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna. I'll just yeah go into number two, and this is kind of cheating, just because like it's sort of about a singular direct um, filmmaker that you and I like a lot, um, but it's really about one thing in particular, like one film in particular, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, but it's not really a film. Uh, it's more something <laughs> else. Uh, it's more of like a TV show, you could say. Um, but oh. it doesn't matter. Uh, I, you know, we were able to finally uh watch all of Twin Peaks earlier okay. this year <laughs> um and, you know you know so technically not a movie but it doesn't really matter um you know you know I guess there is the the movie in you know Far walk with me which I think sure. is like that's like one of the greatest movies ever made like that is really like one of the greatest films of all time like mm. I think about that movie a lot I think about Twin Peaks in general a lot. Um, you know, I would, I, I attempted to watch, I think I watched the first season of Twin Peaks many, many times, and I just couldn't yes. get, I for some reason, I don't know, it's not even that the beginning of the season two is bad. I just fell out of it. But we finally buckled down. We watched all of it. You know, season two has some amazing episodes. The last episode's amazing. Oh, um, yeah. And then we watched the movie, which, like I said, is amazing. And then, of course, we watched The Return, which is one of the greatest um, things ever created. Like, it's perfect.
0: Um, <laughs> and I
1: just, I love the show. You know, I could go on and on about the show. I'm not going to go on to too much about it by the show. I mean, like I include Firewalk with me, just the whole gamut, the whole twin peaks. It's one saga. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing. Um, and it's got everything, man. It's just got, it just has it all. And I just, um, you know, and to me, like I, I just, you know, I think about Twin Peaks two in relation to like the history of television and my interest in television. I don't really like t- TV shows at all. Um, you know, like a hundred, like twenty new television shows come out every single year, <laughs> and for me, I just think like the return is like the end all be all of like the form the television format. Mm. Not to say that like no new TV shows that come out are gonna be are always gonna Good be bad yeah yeah no, I don't really think that, but like the return it just kind of it 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 just sort of it just says like a lot about like again, like the history of television, how it makes us feel, um our expectations of it, kind of like our expectations of what like a twin Peaks like revival would look or feel like um you know it, it's you know, of course, it's really funny the whole show is really funny. And again, you know, as we've talked about with Lynch, you know, he's like the only filmmaker, in my opinion, that really like, that really instills like a sense of dread and horror in me. Yeah. Um, And just like pure evil, um, pure just darkness and destruction. You know, I just, I can't think of anyone else that really like makes me feel that way. And, you know, again, Twin Peaks, one of the greatest things ever made. um, You know, it just kind of, it just pretty much like ruined television for me. Like I just don't really, <laughs> and I haven't, I just don't, you know, when I was like in high school, I would watch t- so many television episodes, you know, I would like just watch one after another, so many different TV shows, um, but I can't stand it now. You know, I just think it's such a waste of time and it's so brain um, melting. Coming. um, mm-hmm. And, you know, but yeah, Twin Peaks, again, you know, I think about it a lot, and that's saying a lot. Um, I don't really, I just, I don't know. I, I talk about it, too, with my partner all the time. We're always talking about, like, Twin Peaks, too. We're always bringing it up just because, like, oh, my God, I remember that part from it. You know, it's just, it just doesn't, you know, the, the you know, the character of Laura Palmer, that's an amazing character, even though she dies, her like episode. character, yeah, and but she's great in the movie. You know that actor who plays Laura Palmer is unbelievable in that movie. But yeah, yeah. but anyway, like I just, I, I just, I love it. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, you know, and I know you love it too. So I mean, like that's no, that's no, you know, you're obviously not, you're, you're very aware of its quality. <laughs> but yeah, that's how. Yeah, that's number two.
0: Oh yeah, uh, Twin Peaks. I think is the only TV show I've seen in full. More than once. There's a couple of TV shows I've seen, like bits and pieces. Yeah,
1: you ought to. People ought to do that. It, I'm it's do honestly
0: that. it's honestly like one of those TV shows that you could watch once a year, every year for the rest of your life, and still find something new in it because it's just that <clears> much better. And I'd say, you know what? I'd say the return, it was written as a movie, it was directed as a movie. I'd say the return is as a well movie. Be, yeah. It might as well be, right? Because it was produced as a movie. They showed it at MOMA as one long movie. So even though it's like yeah. Altogether, what like, it's like the eight best or nine movie hours
1: the 21st century like, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's it's honestly it's one of the great movies of the 21st century and i think it should be considered a feature film because even though it's cut into pieces the kind of how it's cut is sort of arbitrary and i think it is one long piece that deserves to be consumed mm. gosh I, I love david lynch so much and i'm surprised that david yeah. lynch film didn't make it on here because i did see a couple of new david lynch films but again this year was just so packed with incredible films yeah. that it, it just wouldn't make it. Although I was thinking about rewatching Twin Peaks again, and I was gonna tell you in the after show, but I'll, I'll just swing in here quick. Have you seen the TV show Moonlighting? No. I think you'll like it. Bruce Willis. I'm not gonna watch early it. Early 1980s. I
1: appreciate you uh uh attempting to uh, uh <laughs> you.
0: Yeah, trying I think to get it's, me. It's, it's up your alley. They're like hour long episodes. They're only like six episodes a season. It's basically a mini. It's weird. It's like a nineteen eighties mini series. Like it's really high production, really well written. Probably it's gonna go down as one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Honestly, it's that good. So oh, it's an
1: old show. I didn't realize this. Yeah, it's not new.
0: Nope. Nineteen eighties. Okay. Young Bruce oh. Willis. This is like what made oh, Bruce Willis. Oh, the Bruce Willis Sybil
1: Shepherd show. Yeah yeah, you know, you know, actually, earlier this year, I try to watch Miami Vice and okay. Miami Vice, like the pilot um is amazing, by the way, yeah. like and people okay. love the pilot like that is and it is in itself like an amazing movie, And I recommend mm-hmm. seeing the pilot like it's got Immaculate vibes. Um, but then, like, I was like, oh, let's keep watching it. And I get into the second episode. I'm just like it doesn't feel the same. you know, it it didn't pull me in. Yeah. um, so I don't know the the moonlighting thing is interesting, you know um this 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 type of tv is kind of um uh
0: it definitely is um
1: alluring to me so i'll think about yeah. it
0: yeah I, um, I think you'll like it i think sometime next year especially like maybe. the first episode's like an hour and a half like the first episode's a movie and right like it's same a, with
1: the Miami Advice vice pilot
0: yeah and it's a great pilot but honestly it gets better like there's this episode okay like it's like the 4th or 5th episode of the first season and they're on a train it's like a agatha christie oh my god the show is so yeah. well written i mean it is incredibly well written and yeah. yeah i i guess i just didn't know like shows like this existed back in the 1980s because it's like yeah. it's like film quality like high production right a lot of money and time is put into this show And And they're they're very very short TV show
1: nowadays. It's like, all right, let's grab the digital camera and let's film it. And like now, like, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like it just, (laughs) everything just looks the same to me. Even like the bear, you know, I started watching that show earlier this year and Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I I know it's good. Like it isn't bad. I can see the appeal. I can see the architecture in front of me. Like I understand like why it's good and like why
0: people (laughs) like it,
1: but it's like, I don't want to watch like multiple seasons of this.
0: I don't really care all that much. (laughs) Yeah. So, something to look into. I think you'll like it. But okay, yeah, I feel that coming in at number two for me. uh, I actually just rewatched School of Rock, which isn't the film, but uh, same same director Linklater, right? Oh yeah, yeah yeah,
1: Richard Linklater,
0: rich Richard Linklater. I I forgot how amazing School of Rock is. By the way, like I I rewatched it for the first time in like twenty years because they're they're playing on Christmas. I was like, oh, this is this is like a really high quality. Like film. Because I always thought it was like a children's film because I saw it when I was a kid and there's like a lot of kids I mean, in it. And it was like kids, on like I kids. I think I think kids no, I like think, it. I mean no, I like it. It's a kid. good kid,
1: it's a good kid movie. It's a it, but it's also
0: like I think adults like it too.
1: That's a good example yeah. of a good kid adult movie.
0: But anyways, uh this is the very first performance by the Matthew McConaughey. It's how he got into acting. Dazed and confused. Oh, one that's of...
1: crazy to me that like you didn't watch this movie until earlier this year. Like, right? That's a movie I've watched like <laughs> I watched a movie maybe around a dozen times, in different. Um,
0: and it deserves it.
1: Yeah, it's not like one of my favorite movies of all time, but like then again, I have watched it many, many times <laughs> because I don't know. It just has a good, um, you know, its tone. You know, I just really like the tone. I like hanging out.
0: His again talking about like films that are easily digestible it's like one of those movies that you can just have on like at any time like i could watch this yeah, movie a hundred times and still it's like uh you know those movies you watch on christmas every year right and you watch them every year sure because like they're just that good or like they bring back some sort of like tone or memory and that's like how it is with Days and confused it's like it just it captures a specific moment in time so well for me and it just captures everything that i, I was feeling in a specific moment and it's just so well-written and, and so many incredible characters and a million different stories going on all at once. And I, I did consider this for number one, but honestly, my, my number one is so far above everything else that I don't think anything could have been at my number one. So Days and Confuse, very strong number two, just a, a beautiful, wonderful, talking about well-written films. I mean, my God, almost all my films on here. I, I think I've been very interested in writing this year, screenwriting, dialogue, just the way we tell stories, something Perhaps it's because I've been teaching English this year. So something I've been very interested in lately, but uh, an incredible study in how we talk to each other and how we tell stories through dialogue. And when a movie like *Days and Confused, where really there's not a whole lot of plot going on, and that's true with a lot of Link Ladder's work, right? It's a lot of just people walking around talking, and yet it works perfectly. It works in a way that nothing else ever can. And I'm very excited to watch *Days and Confused many more times.
1: Yeah, I think for me I'm just more partial to the before trilogy. But yeah, Days and Confusion sure. is a much different movie. It's like it's yeah. it's a stoner <laughs> comedy hangout film. Big mm-hmm. cast. Um it's lovely. You know, they had he has another movie out called Everybody Wants Some that came out like seven years ago. And I think it's like a similar thing, except I think it's like in the eighties or something like that. So okay. maybe I like that one. But I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I don't know anything about it, but I think apparently it's good. But um yeah. Anyway. Um all right. Before I get to number one, I'm going to quickly run down just like, you know, honorable mention or whatever the fuck. Um, you're free to do that <laughs> too right after me, but whatever. Um, You know, got to give a big shout out to Paul Schrader. You know, of course, I love Paul Schrader. Watched a bunch of his movies this year. Earlier this year, I saw his movie Master Gardener in the theater. That's a 2022 movie, so it doesn't really, you know... It doesn't really yeah, it's not a 2023 <laughs> movie technically even though I saw it in the theaters earlier this year love that movie saw some of his other movies for the first time American Gigolo hardcore amazing um, yeah. you know William Friedkin died earlier this year um, we watched Sorcerer for the show which I think is a perfect film um, and I watched a bunch of his other movies too and they're amazing so William Friedkin's awesome. awesome um, Matt Farley I watched a bunch of his Matt Farley movies this year um, yeah I love Matt Farley, and um, I talked to him on the phone, and he was great to talk on the phone. I had a good time talking to him on the phone. I think I told you about that.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, you just certainly did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and you know, he's got a couple of new movies coming out soon, Um, and I just think his movies are hilarious. I think they're, um, and they're, 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 they're gentle, they're sweet, and they just have like, and they're, and they're definitely smart, like they're smart, intelligent movies. So love Matt Farley. Abel Ferrero watched a bunch of his movies this year. We watched some some rewatched some, watched some new ones. Um, I watched his movie New Rose Hotel, which is a movie that was uh, written by um uh, William Gibson. Um, and that movie is awesome, loved it. Kickass ass film. Um, um a really cool theater experience was when we walked went to see the apocalypse, I think the, the teen apocalypse trilogy with Greg Arikey. Mm-hmm. Um Over across two days, we watched all three of those movies. That was a really great theater experience. Really fun. Um, and I guess like some, you know, some spare movies. You know, uh, Michael Clayton. Love that movie. Uh, I watched it earlier this year, and I don't know. I think about the movie a lot. It's great. And uh, Man Escaped is another movie I'll throw out there too. There There are probably other movies that I even liked more than those two, but those I was just kind of like on Letterbox, and I was just scrolling through my shit, and I was just like, you know, those are good mention but uh i don't know if you want to talk about honorable mentions or if you just want yeah. me to go into my number one
0: no yeah, I'll, you, I'll jump you, in with yeah, some honorable mentions yeah, you go yeah so i don't have a ton of honorable mentions mostly because i already <laughs> talked about most of my honorable mentions films like yeah. uh dream scenario and american friend and of course just so many incredible films that we watched for the podcast this year i think it was a great year <laughs> for the podcast. I think we watched a lot of really great films this year. But I think the the one thing I want to mention isn't a movie, but rather a franchise, and I'd arguably one of the greatest franchises of all time, which is the Mission Impossible franchise, which I saw for the first time. Yeah. I saw all the movies. I, watched, I,
1: I finished them all this year too. Yeah.
0: So it, it was a great, satisfying thing that's to watch a, all those one. movies. And you know, I, I think they all are good in their own way. I think some of them are definitely better than others. I think my least favorite one is certainly the one directed by gosh,
1: the third JJ uh,
0: Abrams the third yeah. one which i think Philip Seymour Hoffman's great in that and i think there's some great things about it but yeah have serious movie's problems okay. with it but like there's no bad mission impossible which is insane like they've made like what like yeah. 8 of these now and there's not a single bad one like they're all good yeah, they're all be- enjoyable <laughs> They're all insanely fantastic. Great stunts throughout all of them. Tom Cruise, honestly, like every time he comes, he's never phoning it in, even though like he could easily. But he never does. No one really does. It's one of the great franchises. And then, of course, the other franchise that I watched this year was the Daniel Craig, James Bond movies, which I think is a little more hit or miss. Uh, Definitely not as stable as. The Mission Impossible franchise but the very first Daniel Craig James Bond movie Casino Royale I think
1: is his first yeah, one the movie is awesome
0: that's that's it probably has. one of the best James Bond movies of all time uh, I, I've seen a lot of James Bond movies and there are very few films that just are even close to that one I mean he's just an absolute insane person yeah, it's cool. and it, it's truly wonderful so I just wanted to give a, a shout out to those those two franchises. So Andrew, you you get into your yeah. number 1 film. Number
1: 1 sort of film, yeah. So yeah, like uh number 1 and this kind of goes into like what I think was the best movie we watched. Um at least in terms of like first watches for me was uh Nashville by Robert Altman. Oh. That okay. was easily the best movie we watched this year. Um and I think too also it goes after we watched Nashville, I also watched Shortcuts. Which is basically LA nineties Nashville.
0: Nashville. Nashville yeah.
1: is like a seventies movie. But um so I think like both of them go together very well. And uh yeah, I love I love the Robert Altman style. <laughs> you know, it kinda kinda goes in kind of tandem with like Days and Confused a little bit. For sure. Um a little bit. I would say that Nashville definitely has crazier shit going on, but it has like a really big ensemble cast. Um, I love the use of music. I love the use of just the location of Nashville. I love all the different characters and their interactions. I love that as the movie unfolds, you revealed more and more of how like characters are related and how they know each other. Um, they do this in shortcuts as well, which is really satisfying and fun to watch. And, you know, I just love like the dialogue altman style where everybody's like talking over one another it's so much fun to watch um and you know nashville is just it's just one of those movies right where it's just a great american film about america you know it it is so um it just says it all you know and i think just um i think it's of course it's really funny it's extremely funny um it's very sad um, and again, you know, it's just kind of like a movie that was made for me, you know, it's just, it's like, it's like Southern United States, <laughs> you know, movie about musicians and the music business, politics, uh, journalism, um, you know, containing some of the best actors of that time period, killing it. Um, I love when Elliot Gould shows up as himself. That's a great moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just really just, uh. You know, that's just, once again, a good, exa- and I think I talked about this in review, it's a good example of a movie that, that is just like, it's kind of crazy, the fact that it like was able to work out the way that it did, because it just looks so complicated, and there's so many moving parts and people and things going on, that it's kind of crazy that Altman, and the same thing with shortcuts, it's crazy that Altman was able to like, pull it all together into a coherent thing, that to me, just, I don't know, it just, it's just kind of, it does it at all, so. Yeah, Altman, best movie we watched on the podcast. Definitely won't, you know, maybe the best movie I watched all year in terms of first mm-hmm. watches. Um, Just fantastic.
0: Wow. Yeah, I guess I'm a little surprised. I wouldn't say I'm that surprised because when we talk about Nashville, uh, a lot of congratulatory. And it is a great film, but I'm surprised Nashville didn't even make my list. It didn't even make a top five. It, it possibly would make a top 10, but. My number one is which I, I'm surprised it didn't make your list to be honest because I, I think this isn't just the best film I've seen this year, but this may be one of my favorite films of all time. easily my favorite film by this director and kind of put this director in a different light to me because his other stuff like I liked but like I didn't really get the appeal. I didn't understand why everyone loved this director so much until I saw this film and I was like, oh, I get it like this is just above and beyond and also because like I spent a lot of time with this movie. I mean, I spoke to a lot of like uh people um you know, I spoke to the leader of the NAACP of our local union and, and a lot of different people about this film. So I think that part of it too is like I've had a lot of conversations about this film and a lot of time just think about this film. And uh I mean, I watched this film three times in the span of like two weeks, even though it's a three hour film. And that of course is Spike Lee's Malcolm X. Whoa.
1: The The reason why that one isn't anywhere near my list is because I've already seen that movie. I saw it like a year ah, or two ago. Okay. So, but it's, I do, but I mean, that movie's perfect. Watched.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, my God. Oh, my God. That's great. Every t- every time I hear that Sam Cooke song, which, by the way, incredible Sam Cooke song, arguably his best song, I can't not think of that moment in Malcolm X where he's on he's the going dolly. to, when he's
1: going to his last speech. When he's going to his last speech. Yeah. Oh man, one of the greatest uh, moments in film history, man. It, one of the it greatest really, movies. Oh
0: my god, it just like it makes me smile just thinking about that moment. And like I've honestly I've gone onto YouTube and just watched that scene a couple of times. Yeah. Like it's when it's stuck scene. in my head, because that scene is so good yeah. and it is and so like, yeah. perfect. Oh my And it god.
1: also it it contains like I think one of the greatest actors ever is Denzel Washington. And yeah. so watching him like do his thing for that long at a very high level is like it's just it's like what more could he ask for
0: it's truly everyone just at their best I mean it obviously like this is someone who meant a lot to a lot of people in this film and you can see that right you can just see like how much everyone really cares about this and how much Spike Lee cares about it and Denzel Washington and everyone involved and oh my god it's it's so good it's just like it's mind blowingly good just how hard this film hits you i mean it hits you in a way that so few films do and honestly it's probably like my top 10 films of all time malcolm x is probably on that list because it's 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 a five star you know I i don't go around throwing five stars all the time but this is truly a five star experience because my god malcolm x is just everything you want from a film I mean, it is beautiful, it is funny, it is dark. Denzel Washington gives one of the greatest performances of all time. Of course, yeah. we talked about that that scene uh, with the Sam Cooke song. Uh, a, a lot of, like, small performances that, like, uh, what's the, I can never remember the guy from Breaking Bad. What's his name?
1: Brian Cranston?
0: No. The I one t- that's in Malcolm X.
1: Um, oh, um, 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 um. It's uh uh um he's in a lot of um <laughs> he's in I just forget his name. I always forget his he's name. I always of, feel bad. He's lee in a stuff. lot of spike, he's in a lot of spike lee movies, yeah. that's for sure. It's um sorry, I'm checking real quick. You're yeah, good. I, I I I agree. He needs to um It
0: deserves to we, be
1: we, we need to, called out. Uh yeah, he needs his uh name called out, that's for sure. <laughs> um it's
0: um <laughs> let's see if i can find it first
1: oh giancarlo esposito
0: yes great actor amazing actor are great. amazing and, and even though he, he has a small role in this film like his performance is on point right we talk about that moment and right I, I think about this moment all the time like this moment is like stuck in my brain forever like as one of those moments in, in cinema history where uh Malcolm X's diary drops the doll, and, and oh yeah, and he picks it up for right? her. Yeah, that, he has so a big smile on his face <laughs> and hands it to her. Oh, what a, and what a actor, like, man. It goes from the that smile it. to like just that like. She's gonna fucking kill Malcolm X. X? Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. It's like, like if I were to teach an acting class, which I'm not an actor by any means, although I've worked with a lot of actors, like that would be like the moment. I'd be like, this is acting. Like this is what we're trying yeah, he's to do. So good. oh my god just everything about malcolm x and like i said you know spike lee's other stuff i mean of course like there's some great spike lee films i think of
1: oh do the right thing remember
0: do the right thing that's i like school days Now
1: i like i like inside man he got game Mm -hmm. you know sure um you know spike lee has a lot of features and a lot of them like i haven't been i've seen like a handful but there are also plenty of his um, earlier movies that are apparently really, really good that I haven't gotten mm-hmm. around to, like Bamboozled and stuff like that.
0: Really want to see. I've been wanting to see Bamboozled for a long time, but I can never find it anywhere. Like, it's a really hard film to yeah. find for whatever reason. I don't know why. I think I found that with a lot of Spike Lee stuff, though. I don't know. I think it's because, like, he owns a lot of his own stuff, which is great, but that also means that often it can be hard to find his stuff, but. Yeah, Malcolm X. It's it's really just above and beyond. And you know, I, I've seen quite a few Spike Lee movies coming into this. A lot of his early work, uh, certainly most of his newer work. I think I've seen like every new films he's released in like the last five years. But nothing can compare. Not only from Spike Lee, but honestly, almost anyone of this era. I, I think it's one of yeah. <laughs> it's it's probably the best biopic ever made, and probably going to be one of the best biopics. Yeah, I would say it's up made. there
1: for me. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh,
0: it's, oh my god. It's amazing. But th- yeah. that's that's my list. And that's your cool. list. That's our yeah, list. Yeah, that's my list. That's pretty much <laughs> it. Yep. All right. Should we yep. wrap it up then?
1: Yep. I think that's uh that should be good.
0: All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. You can find this podcast wherever you hear podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at with nothing to say. I'm on Letterboxd at retroandrew, R E T R Zero Andrew and you can find me at austin lugo 12 or just austin lugo and thank you all for listening thanks so much